0: Welcome to People's Church. Before we get to this week's message with Pastor Tom Murray, we want you to know that you matter to your Heavenly Father and you matter to us. People's Church is a multi-generational faith community in Salem committed to knowing Christ and making Him known. Sunday morning worship services at our Salem campus are at 8.30, 10, and 11.30. Watch messages anytime and plan your visit at peopleschurch.com. We pray this practical biblical teaching is encouraging, challenging, and possibly even life-changing.
1: People's Church, welcome, welcome back. It's a great day in the house of the Lord, a day of hope, day of life change. God is good. When we pray, we pray with expectation. When we, when we pray, we're not just speaking words into thin air to make ourselves feel better. We pray believing that the creator of the universe, confident that the creator of the universe hears our heart and is fully capable of responding. So tonight we're going to be gathering for a night of prayer. There is something that has really swelled up within our church community, an increased desire to pray in community, to believe for greater things. And so tonight at six o'clock, we're gonna gather in here, we're gonna worship a couple songs, and then we are gonna allow the spirit to lead. But we are coming tonight with expectation that God is gonna show up in ways that are real and ways that are tangible, We're gonna be praying for the situation in Ukraine. We're gonna be praying for peace. We're gonna hear testimonies from people in our church family about how their relatives in Ukraine and that region have been impacted and we're gonna intercede on their behalf. You need healing in your body. I I can always stop for you to praise the Lord. That's good. You need healing in your body. You know someone who needs healing. We're going to pray the healing power of the Lord tonight and believe that your medical situation is going to be turned around. You have a financial crisis. You have a need financially. Bring that need tonight. Maybe it's a specific need. We're going to pray together with you. I didn't say this in the other services, but maybe there's a bill that needs to be paid and you're not sure how it's going to be paid. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Bring that bill tonight. We're going to pray and believe that God is going to answer. We come with expectation. You need restoration in your family. There's been division. Uh, we are so just primed for what's going to happen in the house tonight. Come back tonight at 6 o'clock. Part of, uh, of parenting is uh, teaching and training our kids to be ready and uh, teaching and training them that there is a, a consequence if you're not ready on time. We have a, a, a 10, 8, 5, and 2 year old in our house. And our 2 year old is in potty training season. And we are teaching and training that there is a time. And if you wait too long, there are consequences. Then as they get older, we teach things like clean your room and maybe the deadline is before your friends come over. Clean your room before your friends come over. As we learn about their their school assignments, finish your homework before it's due. It'll be much easier for you that way. Let's get out the door, let's get out the door or you'll be late for school. Let's get out the door or we'll be late for church. Some of you had that conversation today. We have been seeing so many families, moms, dads, single parents, coming with children to church, increasing every week. I just, we know it is a deal to get everybody up and out the door. So I wonder if we could just put our hands together in encouragement for every mom, dad, single parent who is bringing. Kids, to church, we're with you, we're for you, you did it, praise God, thanks for being here. So talking about teaching and training and being ready, and if we're not ready on time, there's going to be consequences. Our Heavenly Father wants us to be ready. Our Heavenly Father wants us to be ready for the biggest event in world history, in the Bible, in the words of Jesus and his disciples, we see laid out what it means to live as people who are ready. And what we're talking about, Jesus is coming back. So when we talk about Jesus coming back, Jesus, in forecasting his return, he used the phrase, the end. He called it the end. So this is where we rejoin our series before the end. Jesus speaks about specific things that involve our readiness as we anticipate what Jesus called the end, referring to his return. Jesus does not tell us when he will return, but he does tell us what to expect. And if you're filling in the blanks and you were to write some more, Jesus does not tell us when he will return, but he does tell us what to expect and how to be ready, how to live ready. Jesus came the first time, born in the manger, then he lived fully human, fully God, suffered and died on the cross, then praise God, three days later the tomb was empty, death was defeated. After appearing to his disciples and first followers for 40 days, talking about the kingdom, Jesus ascended to heaven. At that moment, the first followers of Christ were promised that Jesus would return the same way. Acts chapter one, verses 10 and 11. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, two men stood by them in white robes and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who is taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven the bible promises that jesus is going to return and when jesus returns it's going to be different we know this is the rapture for the lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of god and the dead in christ will rise first after that we who are still alive and our left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Oh. And so we will be with the Lord forever. 1 Thessalonians chapter four. For three Sundays, we're looking at three specific things that Jesus says will happen before the end. Last week, we talked about how deception will rise and there will be very convincing attempts to try to persuade people away from Christ. When is this going to happen? Jesus is so clear in his answer, Matthew 24, 36, concerning that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Today, we talk about what is already happening and what will increase in our relationships as we get closer to Jesus' return and as we get farther from God as a culture. We're, t- we're talking about the downfall in the way that people treat each other and will treat each other as we get closer to Christ's return. And thankfully, we're not just left to try and live with the mess and sort it out ourselves. We're gonna see how God gives us a way forward, a way for our relationships to endure to the end. So let's start with the warning that Jesus gave us last week that we looked at, Matthew 24, verse 11, and many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. Now let's look at what Jesus says right before that. Right before Jesus said false prophets are going to be leading many astray, Jesus says, Matthew 24, verse 9, then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death, and you will be hated by all nations, for my name's sake. Some of us, if we were to talk about our honest reaction to that, we would say, I don't know that I really want to be involved in all that. If you brought a friend today, you're thinking, did I bring my friend on the right day? They will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake? If you brought a friend today, you're the friend. You are here on the right day. God knew what was happening when you came today. God has something to say to your hearts. You're here on the right day. You're supposed to, you're supposed to be here today. We're glad you're here. So they, the, the, they, the they that Jesus is talking about is people in authority. Tribulation is persecution. Persecution is cruel treatment that can range from harassment to violence. Jesus says you may even be put to death as a result of your faith. Now, this has been happening since the beginning of Christianity. Tradition tells us that all of the disciples except for John were executed for being followers of Christ. We read this and we we may think, this is not what I was signing up for when I became a follower of Christ. Why, Why is it all worth it? Why is it worth it to to put up with persecution and violence and harassment, division, tension? Why is it all worth it? Here's why. No matter what mess is happening in the world, Romans 5-1, since we have been made right, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Why is it all worth it? Because we have peace with God. And if we have peace with no one else, but we have peace with God, we are still great. It's all sufficient. When we receive, what we receive in Christ is peace on the inside, peace that we are right in restored relationship with God, peace that we are promised a place in heaven when life this side of eternity ends. Peace that God will never leave us or forsake us. This is even described as the peace that passes all understanding. In Christ, we are promised peace on the inside and persecution from the outside. And some of you in here, it would be your life story. That you were living at a time when on the outside, everything looked good. It looked peaceful on the outside, but because you knew in your heart that you were separated from God, even though it was peaceful on the outside, it was a mess on the inside. And maybe how this played out is that you had sleepless nights, tossing and turning, overwhelmed with guilt, overwhelmed with regret. And then you found that peace that passes all understanding because you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior. And it flipped and you had that peace on the inside, and what you discovered is that no matter what was happening on the outside, you had peace because the Holy Spirit dwells inside of you. Through the peace that we have on the inside, we can face the trouble on the outside. Are all believers going to experience extreme persecution? No. Are there believers, followers of Christ today, who are experiencing persecution right now? Yes, it is the life story of people in our church community, not theoretically somewhere else, right here in people's church. It is the life story of people in our church. You left the country of your ancestors. You immigrated to this country to escape persecution because of the way you were treated for being a Christian. You would say that you have lived in your own life you experience what Jesus talks about, being hated for being a Christian. Matthew twenty four ten, and then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. As culture moves away from God, betrayal and hatred will increase. Betrayal, if you have ever been betrayed, You know how painful this is. Betrayal is when a person you trust turns against you. That's betrayal. Hate is when you experience hostility in your direction, and it's driven by fear and anger against you. So what we see here is that we can devote our lives to loving God and people and still face betrayal and hatred. In the same conversation with the disciples, Jesus talked about these crises that will impact everybody in the region, everybody possibly in the world, no matter where you stand with God. So Jesus said to expect wars and rumors of wars, nation rising against nation, kingdom against kingdom, famines and earthquakes. If any of those things happen where you live, it doesn't matter if you're a believer or not a believer, you are... Experiencing the consequences of that. Part of what we see happening in the world right now in Ukraine, it's impacting everybody who lives there, no matter where they stand with God. Then Jesus says there is actually also a suffering that will only be against Christians for no other reason than because they are Christian. And here's the reality. Because of that increased pressure, Jesus says, get ready for it. Many will fall away. It's getting real in the house today. When the pressure is on, lukewarm Christians will make the choice that in the moment, it is easier to abandon Christ than to endure until the end. Followers of Christ will even face betrayal and hate from those who used to be Christians. Father, Father, Help us to be a church that endures to the end. May we be known in our city, in our state, even the world, as a church that endures. Father, protect this faith community from being a place that's known for falling away, for lukewarm Christianity. This is a place of endurance. No matter what's happening on the outside, we endure because we have been saved because we have experienced new life in Christ. Thank you, Lord. Some of us would say in our life, there's times where, come on, we experience suffering because of what we did. We experience the consequences of our own bad decisions, bad behavior. We weren't ready in time, all these things. There's times when we experience suffering because of what we did. This suffering that Jesus is talking about, it's not because of what you've done, it's because of who you are. It's because your identity is in Christ. Jesus says you are going to experience a suffering and the primary reason is because you identify with me. So how bad is it going to get? Early on, Jesus told his followers that they may experience division within their own family. Matthew 10, verse 21. Brother will deliver brother over to death and the father his child. And children will rise against parents and have them put to death. If you were to look through the pages of of Matthew, you see that Jesus says this right after he calls his disciples. So right after he's called his disciples closest followers to walk and talk with him. After he calls the disciples, he's sending them out and he says, get ready because this is potentially what's going to happen. He's releasing them to do kingdom work. He says, get out there. Proclaim the message. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cast out demons. All good things. Kingdom work. And Jesus tells them, as you do kingdom work, people will stand against you. The opposition you face, he warns, may even come from within your own family. Let me just tell you if you have a family that's with you and for you and supportive and has been at the wind in your sails as you have taken steps of faith, thank God for that today. Thank God for a unity in your family. It's a precious gift facing tension within the family as a result of following Christ has been and will continue to be a struggle for many Christians. And for some, it's a little more subtle. There may be, it may be in your family that it's okay for you to be like kind of Christian. Like we're for you being Christian if it means getting over addictions. We're for you being Christian if it means that you treat each other better. We're, we're for you being Christian if it means generosity. But like what about if you're called to be a missionary? Do you, re- do you really have to be that Christian? Or what if you're just called by God to take a major step of faith in generosity or sacrifice or something above and beyond? And the family says, do you? come on. Do you really need to be that Christian? God may challenge you to take a step of faith that is greater than anything you could imagine. And the family may push back, even a believing family. We've heard missionaries say that some of the greatest challenge to overcome as a result of a missionary call is believing family members. As followers of Christ in our families, Let's be willing to stand with our family when they are called to take great steps for God. It's a challenge. Many of you will say at some level you've experienced tension from some or someone in your family because of your faith in Christ. It could be part of your story that at one point in your history, you were the person who uh, made it difficult for other Christians in your family. And then something happened in your life and you understood that your sin separated you from God, you repented, and you became a Jesus follower. Now, if you're here today, again, I believe every person is here on purpose and for a purpose. If you're here today and in some measure you have been difficult or hostile toward another Christian in your family and you've opposed the work that God wants to do through them, It may be possible that in being against that family member that you're actually against the work of God. And it may be time to repent, and it may be time to turn away from that and turn toward God and say, God, if this is for you, I believe you're going to take care of it and you're going to take care of my family member. As Jesus is saying that brother will turn against brother, parent against child, child against parent, he says in verse 22, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. Church, that's where I wanna be. That's where I wanna be. The one who endures to the end will be saved. Well, what if it means being hated by everybody else? Church, I wanna be the one who endures to the end. Families turning on each other as culture moves away from God. This is a reality that people were told about and even warned about centuries before Jesus was born. Old Testament, Micah chapter seven, verse six, for the son treats the father with contempt, the daughter rises up against her mother, the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, a man's enemies are the men of his own house. We as individuals and culture, we're moving in one direction or another, there's no neutral. As individuals and as culture, we're either moving toward God or we're moving away from God. And when culture moves away from God, it looks for a replacement. Sometimes it's government. And what we see in cultures that move away from God, they look to government as the answer. And crazy things happen, like government taking responsibility for children. Mom and dad, You are supposed to be mom and dad of your kids. You know what's best. You are supposed to be the voice. We need to protect the voice that we have in our children's lives. Crazy things are happening when culture moves away from God. Governments deciding that children can make medical decisions without consulting their parents after talking to a school counselor. That is a, that is culture moving away from God and looking for a replacement. What happens in people, what happens in culture as there's a move away from God. As culture departs from God, culture departs from love. The apostle Paul, decades after the death and resurrection of Jesus, he writes to Timothy as the early church is growing. And Paul Paul gives Timothy a list of what will happen in people. Paul gives Timothy a list of what's going to happen in culture as there's a move away from God. I'm going to read this list to you and i encourage you say father if there's anything on this list that i'm struggling with expose it in me so i can address it and get it get rid of it and move past it second timothy chapter 3 verses 1 through 5 but understand this paul writes that in the last days that's what we're talking about before the end understand this before the end in the last days there will come times of difficulty very plain here's the list ready You could like rearrange this into a bullet point list. People will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. (laughs) Avoid such people. Now, can we just like have a real moment here? We can read what Paul writes and we can like excuse ourselves and say, oh man, thank God. I'm a Christian and I'm none of those things. We can do that or we can be honest. See, everything on the list has to do with putting self above others. Everything on the list has to do with putting self above God. So it's better to acknowledge that there may be some things on that list that we struggle with. Because then we can take action and say, whatever that is, it's not from God. And as we get closer to the end, as the difficulty increases, I will become closer to God if whatever on that list is part of my present moves to the past. Jesus tells his followers, before the end, in the last days, the love of many will grow cold. So what are we gonna do about this? Where is the hope? As followers of Christ, we are most often pointed in the opposite direction of where culture is headed. So if Jesus says, in the culture around you, the love of many is gonna grow cold. That's what's gonna happen in culture. But as a follower of Christ, you're pointed in another direction. John, one of Jesus' own disciples, John was there on the mountainside when Jesus said the love of many is gonna grow cold. John heard the audible voice of Jesus say that. John was there when Jesus spoke warnings about what would happen before his return, before the end. John heard the warnings. Decades later, John, inspired by the Holy Spirit, writes this, 1 John chapter four, verse seven. Beloved, let us love, one another for love is from God and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. So the love of many is going to grow cold. As you look at the culture around you, love is going to decrease but not so with you. Love one another love is from God whoever loves has been born of God and knows God you know at some level we've we've all made love so much less than it is some in their personal definitions of love love and lust are almost the same thing love is so much greater than greeting cards and flowers Love is more than as good as these things are. Love is greater than quality time. Love is greater than affirming words. Love is greater than acts of kindness, which are all good things. Church, love is strong. Love is not for the weak. Love is for the strong. Love is challenging. Love is putting others above self. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is the opposite of jealousy and pride. Love is forgiving. Love doesn't quit and love does not give up. Thank you, Lord. First John eight. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. So because you and I have experienced this love, the love of God through Jesus Christ. That should flow out of us into the way that we interact with the world around us. To the extent that it depends on you and me, decide to love. Decide to love. We can't make someone else love us We don't have the ability to control somebody else's behavior. Although some of have tried. (laughs) To the, what would, church, what would happen if we as believers doubled down on this and said to the extent that it depends on us, we are going to make the decision to love. And to love like Jesus is to love even when they don't love us back. To love like Jesus is to be kind to those who are cruel. To love like Jesus is to be patient with those who are short-tempered. To love like Jesus is to be generous instead of jealous. To love like Jesus is to be humble. To love like Jesus is to endure, to stay in it, when others say, I'm out. It is so great how John lays out how God intends for love to operate. Verse nine, in this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world that we might live through him. God loves people. So he sent his son so that we can have life. Verse 10. In this is love. Don't miss it. this. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation of our sins. I've never used that word in a sentence in my life. Not even sure if I said it right today. But did you catch this part? Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son it's not that we were doing such a great job of loving God that he said, oh, look at how much they're heaping their love upon me. I'm going to send my son in response to the way that they love me. That's not what it says here. It says not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son. God didn't send his son because of how well we were loving God. God sent his son because of how much he loved us. God sent Jesus because he loves us. Why? For the forgiveness of our sin so that we can be restored to God. Verse 11, it's so plain. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. God loved us before we loved him. So because we've experienced this, we should love other people even when they don't love us back. To love is to put someone else above you. Now watch how John puts the exclamation point on this. It's so good. Verse 12. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. So no one has seen God, God is love, but no one has seen him. Yet people see you. When we become his, the Holy Spirit dwells in us. God lives in us and God is love. So the world is supposed to know the love of God through the way that God's people love others. This sounds, if you're reading the same Bible that I am, this sounds to me like as a follower of Christ, love is not an option that we get to choose. This to me sounds like love is a responsibility that we're supposed to own. So John was there when Jesus said, the love of many is gonna grow cold. Who else was there? Peter was there. Decades later, Peter also writing to the church. At this time, uh, it was becoming more difficult to be a Christian. Persecution was on the rise. There was pressure from the government, pressure from neighbors, pressure from family. As Peter writes into the situation, he says this, First Peter chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. The end of all things is at hand. The end is coming soon. Therefore, because the end is approaching, therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Here's where we get the title of this message today. Above all, keep loving one another. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sin. Peter connects the end to love. Because the end is coming, we are challenged not to be self loving, but self controlled and sober minded. This means don't be consumed, don't be deceived, don't be intoxicated by the culture around you that is leading you and leading other people or wants to lead you away from God. Be sober minded, see it for what it is, be self controlled, and above all, above all, keep. Loving one another. Keep loving one another. Above the persecution, love. Above the hate, love. Above betrayal, above pride, above arrogance. You want to know the best way to give your family the best chance to endure, to stay strong until the end? Above the family tension, choose love. Love. If we have to choose love, that means that it's not our wiring, by our wiring, our natural response. We have to choose it. It's an ongoing choice. Before the end, the love of many will grow cold. So church, what are we going to do about it? It's not time to hunker and hide out and wait it out. We're supposed to live out loud. Live out loud with the love of Jesus Christ. What an amazing blessing that John the Apostle had when God gave him an insight, a picture of the future. And in giving John a picture of the future that is spelled out for us in Revelation, John had the privilege of getting a glimpse into what heaven would look like. Listen to this, Revelation 7, verses nine through 11. Then I looked, and there was a great multitude which no one could count, from all nations and tribes and peoples and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, that's Jesus, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and they cried out, with a loud voice. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. This is not a never-ending dull church service. There's a loud voice. This is a celebration around the throne room of God. And as followers of Christ, it must be our hearts that as many as possible would be with us when we're part of that celebration in the throne room of God. And how has that happened? How is it gonna be possible for as many to come with us as possible? It's going to be that we bring the love of Christ to the world. Let's make it local that we bring the love of Christ to Salem, the love of Christ to Kaiser and Mount Angel and Silverton and Turner and Almsville and Wilsonville, and Woodburn, and Canby, and Independence, and Dallas, and Lebanon, and wherever else it is that you drive here from. May we be ambassadors for Christ, willing to show love to a world that's not always ready to show us love in return. Why? Because if we endure to the end, Jesus says, we will be saved. Church, stand with me in the house today. Father, we are so thankful that your word is real and penetrates to our heart. Thank you for the straightforwardness of the word. Father, you call us to be a church that's ready to realize that time is short, but eternity is long. Father, help us to be a church that it's about your mission. Father, if there's anyone here that would just say, man, I've been a lukewarm Christian and there's been times when I've been tempted to walk away from Christ because it just seems like the easier option. Father, I ask that a strengthening would happen right now in their spirit, a commitment that I'm all in. I want to endure to the end. There's a couple pastors, altar workers. Could you guys come in up to the front? Look out to the congregation. Step out, step out. I want you to look out at the congregation. If there's anyone in here, you say today is a day. Maybe maybe today you say, I've been a lukewarm Christian and I don't want to be that way anymore. I want to stand firm until the end. I want someone to pray over me that I will strengthen my relationship with Christ because I want to be one who endures to the end. You want somebody to pray over you. Lift up a hand. You've never given your life to Christ before. Today is the day you want to become a child of God. You want to invite Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Don't hesitate. Lift up your hand right now. Someone's going to come to you and pray with you. There's a hand in the back right over there. Pastor Spencer, head right back there. Who else in the house today? Today is the day you want to give your life to Christ. We want to send a pastor or an altar worker to you to pray in the balcony. Who would want to give their life to Christ today? There's a hand right over here. Frank, right up here, like five rows up. Dorothy, right up there. You're saying I've been a lukewarm Christian. Look up here. This is between these people and God. All right? We want to serve them. They're not here to put on. You're you're here today, and you said, I've been been a lukewarm Christian. And I don't want to live that way anymore. I want to be firmly planted on the rock, and I want someone to pray with me. It's okay. It's okay. Lift up a hand right now. We want to send someone to pray with you. you see, thank you. We see your hand. Anyone in the balcony? Top row of the balcony. Top row of the balcony. Come on. We're a church family. We're here in this. We're in this together. Thank you for your honesty. That is a step of boldness to say, "I need a prayer. I need prayer right now." Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, in this house right now, people are giving their lives to Christ. Praise God. They're saying, I don't want to live outside of God's goodness. I want to have the peace that passes all understanding that no matter what's happening in the world, I have a peace that no one can take away from me. For the one who's so honest right now that says I've been a lukewarm Christian, thank you for their honesty in this moment. They're saying, I'm all in, I want to be all in. I want to be unwavering. No matter what the world throws at me, I want to stand firm on the solid rock that is Jesus Christ. Father, help us to be a church that is ready. We want to be ready, why? Because Jesus is coming back. And as we looked at last week, the verse, what kind of church will Jesus find when he returns? What faith will he find, Father, in people's church? In Salem, Oregon, may he find a church that's ready, that's endured, that's said, I'm all in no matter what's happening around us. Father, as culture pulls away from God, as culture pulls away from love, may we run in the direction of you. May we run in the direction of love, desiring to love even when the world does not love us back. In Jesus' name.
0: We pray that this week's message has been practical, encouraging, and challenging. Let us know if you made a first-time commitment or recommitment to following Christ. Visit peopleschurch.com and click Connect to share your decision with us. There is great value in being a part of a Christ-centered, Bible-teaching faith community. If you are looking for a church home, Pastor Tom Murray invites you to People's Church in Salem. Sunday morning and evening worship services, group Bible studies, Relevant, engaging activities for kids and youth in safe, secure environments. Watch messages anytime or plan your visit at peopleschurch.com.